Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to talk about the Browns' quite unfortunate 47-42 loss to the L.A. Chargers in L.A. Beautiful stadium from everybody that I talked to that was out that were out there. And there were a lot of folks from Browns Twitter and, and those circles out there. Looked really great. And, and, and it looked like your Cleveland Browns were well-supported. And, you know, that's really all you can ask for. Pretty great environment, and at the end of the day, a really good game, uh, despite coming out on the wrong side of things, a really good game. It stinks. I don't even know if I said my name at this point so late. My name's Jake Burns. I'm your host. I'm going to be joined in just a minute by Corey Kennan of SI Browns Digest. We are going to talk through this game. Real quick before Corey gets in here, I am going to just give you some of the baseline statistics. Um... I mean, the one that was sent to me that is just, it's almost laughable. You you thought that with this new regime, and it's not the regime's fault, but with the way things have gone, we'd get out of this funk of only the Browns, right? Well, Baker Mayfield has now played in three games in which his team has scored 42 points and lost. If this data was correct earlier, there, he's the only quarterback to have even multiple efforts where his team has scored 42 points and lost the game. So that... Uh, paints a little bit of a picture. So total points in this game, uh, like I said, 47-42. First downs, were a lot of these digits are pretty close, guys. 27, of 20, 27 first downs for the Chargers, 25 for Cleveland. Third downs, 4 of 12 for Cleveland, only 6 of 13 for the Chargers. The difference is four, the fourth down metrics for the Chargers were clearly superior. 531 yards for Cleveland, 493 for the Chargers, 68 offensive plays apiece, which is pretty rare to see that kind of symmetry. 7.8 yards per play for Cleveland, 7.3 for LA, 230 net rushing for Cleveland, 112 net rushing for the Chargers, passing Cleveland 301, Chargers 381. Somehow Cleveland only ended up with one more penalty, 77 yards. The Chargers had six for 49. No turnovers for Cleveland, one turnover for the Chargers. Punts three apiece, the Browns were outpunted by 10 yards. We're going to get to that. Touchdowns five for Cleveland, two field goals. Touchdown seven for L.A., no field goals. And Cleveland uh, went with 13 more yards, or sorry, 13 more minutes of time of possession. Statistics from the individual side. Uh, Nick Chubb, 21 carries, 161 yards, one touchdown, played great football. The guy you expect, two huge chunk runs, uh, one the long one of 52 yards. Seems like, Nick, if you're a fantasy owner, pretty frustrating. He either scores from range or he doesn't score at all. He's like a three-point shooter. They don't give him the ball down down near the goal line all too often. They put Kareem Hunt on the field. Kareem had 12 for 61, two touchdowns. Baker ran twice for eight yards. On the day, Baker, 23 of 32, 305, two touchdowns. So the stat lines look pretty nice for him. David Njoku, largely by work of his own, seven catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones, five for 70. Rashard Higgins, 3 for 29 and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 5 for 28. Odell Beckham, just three targets, two catches, 20 yards. Nick Chubb has one catch for nine yards, and Schwartz was targeted once without a catch. On the tackle side, Greedy Williams, who I thought played really hard. Hopefully he is okay. 
You hate seeing him squeezing that hand again, man, that tells me that the shoulder got dinged up. Ten tackles on the day. Uh, you know, Walker, Anthony Walker at six. A.J. Green at five. Another guy who I thought fought, played really hard. John Johnson had four. J.O.K. had four. Sione Takitaki had three. Miles had a sack. Malik McDowell had a sack. On the Chargers side, real quick, Austin Eckler, 17 for 66 and two touchdowns. He's tough SOB. Justin Herbert, four for 29 and a touchdown, but certainly felt like he ran for more. He was more extending for throws, where he went 26 of 43, 398 and four touchdowns. Mike Williams, a whopping 16 targets where he caught half of those. He ended up with eight catches, 165, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen, six for 75. Austin Eckler, five for 53 and a touchdown. Uh, Guyton had two for 35. Parham had two for 29. Jared Cook had one for 29. And then Palmer had two for 12. On defense, Derwin James, a little bit of a whoa, 17 tackles and a sack. Tranquil, Drew Tranquil had 10 tackles. Nasir Adderley had eight. So that's it. Corey Kennan, welcome into the show, man. You've heard me go through the stats. How are you, my friend? I'm good. It's been a day. It's been a it's day. It's been a day, but I'm here and I'm good, so... It's been a day. It's a good way to put it. There's so much to talk about, man. We should we should try our best to hit everything. Have you the the big thing, you know, we could take away a lot of different things here and we will kind of try to dive into several of them, but boy the injuries are mounting up, man. Like it's it's easy to get like, you know, you score 42, you shouldn't give up for it, but the 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 injuries are really adding up on defense to the point that I'm concerned about how they get through the next month. Like you're running out of bodies, man. Right, and that's one thing when we were like, "Oh yeah, they they you know, we don't have to start Robert Jackson in a playoff game," and now we're like, "Well, all those corners we added, they're all gone." So, oh man, yeah, it's rough. Um, I, I I don't know what to say. Your entire back end of your defense just in the span of two weeks is is decimated. Uh, it just seemed like every other series somebody was coming off the field, and then I mean after the game, you even have JOK who they say something with his throat he had to go to the hospital because he had something aggravated in his throat and it's just like oh man how how bizarre to see like two players with a throat contusion in the same week they got i've never heard of that i mean i don't know i guess it gets swollen and maybe it contracts your airflow i would guess i don't know that seems kind of fitting for the weirdness of what that Bengals game was if you caught that Oh yeah, the, the field goal miss off where the, the kicker from Cincy thinks he makes it and celebrating, <laughs> celebrating <laughs> prematurely, and yeah, that ends up being the weird finish, and then this one ends up being a weird finish too. We, we we'll just kind of split this thing in half. Let's talk about the offense. They clearly ran the football the way they wanted to. Do you have any? This is, again, this is the TV view. This is kind of our immediate reaction, Corey. Like they run for two thirty. They're still they're really dynamic. They're doing it different ways. I, I mean. I thought Nick looked as as fresh as he's ever looked. I think Kareem is the perfect yin to his yang. Like they're they're just going to run on anybody and everybody this year. I don't think it matters, right? Right. I've it's it's wild. So you you see all these other like dynamic duos across the league, but this is just different. Like the other duos are like, oh, this is a change of pace guy. He's going to come in, and you know, one's going to be a receiving back. But th- these are two dudes who are like, they're just going to get theirs every week. And it seems like Kareem Hunt is getting a lot of carries. But then you look at the number and it's like, well, 12 carries is a lot. But Nick Chubb has 21 for a, a buck 61 and a touchdown. So I've just, I've in my lifetime, and again, I wasn't around for the, you know, the Ernest Biner, Matt, like that, that era at all. But 
it's just like I've never seen 31 or 33 carries between two backs like that, and each of them are are toting it for an average of between them six yards a carry is just ridiculous. It doesn't seem to be a team that can slow them down. I've talked about this all year, and you know this one was more Cleveland out in front, so it, it really is going to take Corey a team that plays from way out in front, but no no team has really shut them down. They'll figure it out. Even the Bears game, they ended up running for 100 in the fourth quarter alone. They seem to figure it out, and that's kudos to Callahan for continuing to do what he does and just and tinker, and I'm sure Scott Peters is involved in that, and I'm sure Kevin's got a say in it too, but like they figure it out at some point. If they're not off to a great start, at some point they put it together and end up figuring out how to run the football. I mean, 231 yards is... It's phenomenal. I don't care who you play against. That's just those are great metrics. So I think those two continue to be who we thought they were. They are going to be, no matter the situation this year, a huge part of it. I'm impressed with both of them. Couldn't be happier with it. You switch over to Baker. His stats look fine. 23 of 32, 305, two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Corey, it's a sensitive topic. I mean, is he leaving plays on the field? Did you think he played well? Like, just kind of give me your takeaways from this thing. Or you know, again, you look at it. I would love to see the yak yards because again, David caught the ball at about twelve and and turned it into seventy-one. DPJ catches that a twelve-yard, twelve to fifteen comeback turns that into four. The yak yards are really there. That's a that's a nice piece of things here. Uh, it just doesn't still seem like the deep downfield throwing is going to be a part of this offense right now. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell from from broadcast from from the live viewing, but it it does seem like uh, if the the if the timing routes the initial rhythm throws aren't there, there's a bit more double clutching. There's a bit more panic. I've noticed when he's flipping his eyes back that his feet are very frantic still is what i would say um so when he's forced to move his eyes his feet are not are not lined up with with his eyes um i would agree with that again the numbers look fine uh the numbers look fine against houston but i didn't think he played particularly well against houston um were the two dudes complaining about 305 yards from the quarterback right like that's that's the stuff that i get constantly people think i'm attacking him i just I just look at how if you want Baker to be Josh Allen, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, all these guys, right? All the dudes, even the Herberts around the league, the, the throw types, you, you got to make those plays. You got to make plays out of structure. And, you know, he was, I thought he managed the game fine. The, the numbers look good. Uh, I, I just, um, I don't know. Something's missing, man. Something's missing. And, and again, they're fighting, again, he's fighting the shoulder. He's fighting the two tackles. He ends up losing Conklin in game. I this is not a Baker. This is, Baker's fine. He was fine. He was fine. They should have won. That's not the point of what we're talking about right now. I just think that there are going to be some things based on what has been sent to me that when we break him down this week, you're going to see some things, Corey. That's all I'm going to say. I just there's a, there's still you know I, I'm called on to the freaking Dan Levitard show to talk about this thing with Odell. It's it's two for 20, and I don't think it's a lack of that young man. He's still young. I still think there's a lack of Odell getting open. There's the fourth down drop. Like, like, where where are we at with that? Like, are we now just ignoring what's in front of us? Like, the person who keeps telling you, yo, your marriage or your relationship is over. You don't see it. 
Are we missing it? Or, or is there still something that Baker and Odell figure out together? I hate the question. It's, I hate it. I'm so sick of it. But I don't know what to say where anymore. It's we're at, but, but it's the reality of the situation. I hate it too. And I, it's never been a 13 thing. Sure, the drop. On, on, there, there's, there's been occasional drops. It's like you can't drop that, especially when the frustration is built up to where it's at. And I think we saw some of that last year early on in the season too after the 2019 season didn't go as planned. Uh, but for me, I've always like when I, when I watch it, it's just like 13's open, 13's open, 13's open. And I think we're going to go back and probably see a little bit of that today, uh, based on like, based off what you're saying as well. Uh, it was definitely the case last week. It was definitely, it's just like 13 is open. So if there's a fault in this relationship, I don't see how that's on 13, but I think it's to the point where it's just like, Okay, this is coming to an end, and I, it's it, it's just what it feels like. And as much as I hate to say it, it's just like it just feels like an end is inevitable. And I don't know what like what are we gonna like? There's what do we do about it at this point? I don't know, man. I don't know. I've, like I said, you've probably done similar things to what I have, where I've been called on to shows. People want answers. People that really matter in the industry want answers. And I'm like, yo, I don't know. I've watched film. I, I can't answer it for Baker the same way you can't answer it for Baker. Like, the same with Odell. Like, it doesn't help when Odell drops that ball, right? Like, it doesn't help. But here's what I'll say. it's He's being paid a ton of money, Corey. A ton of money. And he's got to catch that football. But it's like catching a Randy Johnson fastball halfway to the mound. Like, it's freaking moving, and it's hard to catch that when you you are trying to find the same window the quarterback is, and boom, it's on you right now. That's how drops happen. <laughs> I really don't I don't want to go down this valley. Like he he's just got to get some better tempo on his throw sometimes mm-hmm. to slow it down when it needs to be slowed down. He can still drive it when it needs to be driven. Again, we're spending too much time on the quarterback. I thought he played fine. He was he was not a part of the problem today. He managed the game. He was good enough to win. And I thought we should talk about they only gave up one sack, which it looked like David just did not see Derwin James off the edge too late, which has kind of been, you know, David played his butt off, but that's been his Achilles heel. He does not seem to feel late DB creep pressure on his side if he's into pass block. But they played well. I thought Hans, I don't know if he's going to grade well, but to give up one sack is pretty impressive given – they were in a lot of predictable pass situations, in my opinion, and they seemed to hold their own. I thought Baker was pretty well protected all day. Did you get the same vibe from your first view? Yeah, absolutely. I just, I mean, I keep coming back. To, I thought that that holding on Treader was was wild um, <laughs> when Linval Joseph is driving him back in the face mask. Uh, but I thought your guards were your guards. Um, but Tonio, I just continue to be impressed by. I don't know how. And we're, we're talking about the longest tenured Brownie. He's in 30. He's age 30 now, and he's just the same sturdy dude week in and week out. Um, I would need to go back and see how James Hudson played after Conklin went out. But I I think what you can say based off of, you know, we have broadcast film at this point, we have broadcast view is that you, you didn't hear a lot of Blake Hans's name called. You didn't hear a lot of James Hudson's name being called. So um, until we have more, I mean, on the surface level, it's like, yeah, I think, I think they played well. Um, but I, I mean, I can say for certainty that interior was the was the interior you expect. Um, I don't know if Teller has been the level he's played last year, um, but especially on some of these long runs, it's it's Teller climbing to the second level and it's Teller, you know, taking on two bodies and things like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that that's probably what what my assessment is at this point. I thought they played well. I thought they played well. There's a couple holding calls, you know, eh, whatever. 
You got to watch them. I feel like they're so often holding on these in these these damn games. It's it's just like the thing is with Cleveland right now when they get into a second or first and twenty, it's like oof, it's hard to see them converting it because they can become very one facet to their approach, and then you start to see where some of the struggles happen for this offense. So we should talk about a couple things uh, as far as before we really get to defense. Um, the, the the couple decisions from Stefanski. Okay, there was one before half where they had two timeouts. I think they might have had one, Corey. They they uh, as I'm pulling this up here on the possession right before half, they go down and get a field goal after they they pick up the fumble. I thought it was pretty strange that at the fumble point was 38 seconds and they threw a screen and then they didn't call a timeout. They ran another play. And then I think it was like a second and one. They didn't get it. It put them at third and one. And they just the clock kind of ran down to the point that they felt like it was necessary to only kick a field goal. So I was like, why wouldn't you call that timeout at 30 seconds to play it in the huddle? That was a little strange. You got to point that out. And then you probably need to talk about, too, you know, the Browns get the football. They have to go. You know, they come out on the field with, what was it, three minutes and some change left, I think. So to me, it was like, okay, three first downs, you got a chance to win the game. You got the four timeouts essentially because of the two minute warning, three first downs probably with some plays milked in between, have a chance to win the game that way outright. We can talk about the decision not to run it, or sorry, to throw it second down, not run it, sorry, not throw on third down. But but the thing that was strange to me was like, okay, the defense is at this point given up. They've given up three straight touchdowns quite easily. Okay, they've given up three straight touchdowns. You're you're at fourth and ten. Let's trace it back. I'm 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 probably getting ahead of myself, Corey. The third down decision not to throw because this probably the third down decision not to throw dictates why the fourth down decision I'm about to talk about probably doesn't add up. Like, were you as perplexed as everybody else was about the decision not to throw on third and ten, or did you think, hmm, this might tell me a story right now? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, A little bit of both. I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I was fine with the early down pass, the second down pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. but I think, yes, it's perplexing that he, he didn't throw. Um, definitely seems like, especially, I mean, 
this felt like the first game where Stefanski wasn't Stefanski as far as uh, historically going back to last year, the Cowboys game. I mean, time and time again, he's operating four-minute drills flawlessly. Uh, and we had a four-minute drill where we, where we could have closed the game out, and we went three and out and with, again, suspect play calling, as you're saying. Um, but, yeah, I would say the truth is probably somewhere in the middle um, between, you know, let's punt the ball and play defense. And, I, again, we're spending too much time in the quarterback position. But, like, do we trust our guy? You have to, to wonder. Like, the Packers are going to put it in Aaron's point. hands, right? Like, right. The, I don't see Seattle taking it out of Russ's hands on the biggest play of the game. I don't see the Chiefs. I don't see the Bills. I don't see the Chargers. Clearly, we watched it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know, man, but you got you got to ask that question like why would you not want Baker to throw? So if you don't have the confidence in Baker to throw, you run a draw, whatever. Why wouldn't you consider going for it on fourth down? Because if you punt it, your punter's terrible right now. Corey, they got it. They got it. They got to have a hard they conversation. Gotta he's got he's got He's go. terrible yeah. right now. And I don't know if he's hurt like last year it was all he's hurt. This year he's terrible. Not only not driving the ball downfield, but not pinning people. And I get it, he's the holder, and there's a dynamic there right now with McLaughlin that's working. Get a holder off the street. I don't care. Like, figure it out. This is bad. It's not, they're burying themselves. They punted the ball from their own 30 yard line, and I know he didn't kick it from the 30, but the, the field position only changed to the 48, the Chargers mm-hmm. 48. And this was like, this is not a first time thing. It's been happening for weeks. So the question is, why wouldn't you go for that fourth and whatever? I don't even know if it was still 10 yards. I think it might have been under that, right, Corey? I think they got something. Yeah. Why wouldn't you go for that? Because here's what happens. If you don't get it, the Chargers are going to score. Hey, knock, knock. It's inevitable at this point. You've been watching your defense. It's inevitable. So instead of punting it to the 48, giving that up, burning three timeouts, they score, you get it back. You then have the timeouts and the field position, not the field position, but you have the timeouts, maybe even four with the two-minute warning, and you can still do what makes you good, right? With, with the Cleveland part of things, they can run it, they can pass it, they can play action it. That, to me, like I think that that really should have been considered a spot to go for, because if you get it, obviously the clock's going to keep running, and you put the burden on them. You can run whatever, and maybe you get those three first downs we're talking about. So to me, as we're watching on the other side, uh, Brandon Staley get like, you know, hyper, hyper aggressive to the point that I was like, hmm. dang, like hyper aggressive. Cool. It worked out, but I don't know if all those are going to work out for him, but I do like the the idea. And I think Kevin's pretty aggressive too. But I think when you're thinking at that point with three minutes left, should I punt it here? You got to factor in your punter's been bad. You got to factor in that your, your defense has not stopped them in three straight touchdown drives. The, the, that would end up being the fourth straight touchdown drive. And you know the Chargers are going to be savvy about how they go about using the clock. They're not just going to score out of nowhere, right? Like, and they were, other than they should have needed. They tried to get cute and have Eckler kind of stand, and you know Cleveland was smart about carrying him into the end zone. But at that point, Corey, you're out of timeouts. You're under the two-minute warning. And you got a quarterback who is not really preferring to deep drive the football downfield, and you really don't trust your O line, and that's why we saw the disaster that was a air quote two minute drill. So, am I being picky, or do you get where I'm coming from with that fourth quarter like final decision? I thought like, okay, I kind of get it. If you're going to third down, run it, chop some yards off, and make fourth manageable. I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna punt it. It's interesting because they're not stopping these guys right now. Yeah. Uh below the surface level that makes a lot of sense um 
I'm just thinking of the local media crucifying a head coach for going for it on fourth, fourth and six from his own 18 with a lead. Um, <laughs> I, I would agree with you that, yeah, that would tend to make a lot of sense. Your defense hasn't been, it hasn't been playing well. You're decimated in the secondary. They're going to, to score. Um, I, I still think there's probably an element. You say I have the best pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, if I punt this football, maybe he makes a play to win me the game. Um, so I, I get it from both angles. Um, that's such a tough one. That's such a tough call. I mean, you're on your own 18 yard line. So at the same time, but it's like your punter punts at 42 yards. From yeah, your own 18 I, I get you don't it. Field there's, there's, Just a, like, there's definitely a lot of like, it would have been jarring, but at the same time, it definitely felt like a game where whoever had it last was going to win this game. And like, I know the Browns got it last, but they clearly weren't able to be who they traditionally are, oh right? Gosh. And yeah. that factors into it. And yeah, whatever. I mean, it's a hindsight thing here. I, I, I don't blame Kevin. I don't blame him, but I think it's something that's like, okay, we should probably talk about it a little bit because could that decision have made more sense to let them stay balanced in terms of who they are. So maybe, you know, could have could have possibly worked out there. But that's again, that's that's heavy revisionist stuff. I just think it's something we're thinking about. And could it be a situation that they learn from it, right? Like this is something that they can clearly, if the same sort of thing happens, they have a chance to learn from it. So I did want to update everybody real quick. We have the the week five CPOE stuff. Uh Baker was uh let's see, it was a nine and some change if I can sort this. Um, apparently, I can't sort anything the way I was hoping to. So his 9-5 was uh, seventh on the day. Nine, nine air yards is relatively strong. His expected completion percentage was... Expected completion percentage was 69.8. He was 9.5% above that. So, you know, those numbers are strong the metrics for the week five game there just wanted to kind of shed some light on those as those little pieces of information come out uh otherwise the defense like i don't really have much to say about it right now as i'm as i'm thinking through this thing other than like the fear that we all feared is here which is Clowney is out denzel out greg newsome injury history in college out greedy shoulder beat up like it's here, man, and and it it all feels like it's on top of you. JOK leaves the game with the shoulder initially, the throat. Now he's in the hospital. It's a lot, dude. It's a lot to overcome, and I just feel like we can all really get mad at the defense, or you can say these miscommunications, the two deep coverage busts, are probably a direct result of people not playing together much, and it felt like the Chargers had them teed up a little bit, which helps. You know, they had they had. You know, if the Browns are going basic because they got some guys out there that aren't traditionally out there, some of that can happen, right? Where you, uh, where you, where you can have some of those busts. But like the defense is built around eliminating big plays. That's number one on Joe Wood's big board is no big plays, and they give up two big plays, and ultimately that's the difference, right? Like the two big plays and the injuries are adding up, and it's almost like shrug. What do you do? Two bust coverages is. You hope you don't have that in a season. And to, to throw two out, I mean, wide open busts and, and the same game is just, oh, it's killer. Um, but from, from here, it's like, I don't know what you do from here. 
Uh, we we signed all these DBs again to avoid having to start Robert Jackson in a playoff game. Bless his heart. But now we're back. Like AJ Green played a significant amount of snaps, and you hope Greg Newsom is back. You hope Denzel Ward is back next week. You hope Grady's shoulder is fine. But now we're back to the word hope instead of like, oh, we can rely on all of these guys. <sighs> it's 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 a lot. So again, you hope JOK's throat is fine. Um, good news is, I mean, Tony Fields is off the IR, so prospectively back in the next two weeks, that's another decent coverage linebacker, but he's he's never played an NFL snap, and he missed all of the summer and hasn't played it to this point. So, um, yeah, you hope these guys are back, but it has potential to get pretty ugly if, if this hope doesn't pan out to reality and that Newsom is back and Ward is back and Clowney yeah. is back and JOK is back. It's just You can only absorb back to you can only you're, absorb you're back to putting yeah Mac Wilson on the field yeah. for seventy percent of the snaps. Yeah. You're back to to using Tack McKinley and Odeangbo and Joe Jackson off opposite Miles Garrett. It's like yeah. what we did last year. It's just it's not pretty. There's a there's a level with these injuries, Corey, where it's like shut up, no one cares, try harder, like whatever. Everyone and then there's like I'm like, who's even like, I think Greedy got hurt there at the end with the shoulder. And I'm like, who's even left? Like, can you throw MJ Stewart out there? I guess you get to the point where it's like, it's gone beyond the point of toughen up, man. Like everyone's got a couple people hurt to like, these guys are falling down every play. And this is like too much to overcome. I thought for this game, again, the season, everything they want is still very much in front of them. It's going to be a packed MRI room back in Cleveland or wherever they do those because there's a lot of guys that need them. If they can come back healthy, can you catch the Cardinals in a in a, in a cross-country situation where they don't play well? Probably. You can, you can maybe get them there, but they have a quarterback that gives you fits because you don't really stay past rush lane discipline. So, it's three and two. It's not the end of the world, but it did feel like a game that I started to like mid third when it was 27 13 and you got him in a couple fourth downs or when you scored that touchdown, Nick did or whoever that I think it might have been Kareem to go up and you're fourth and four and the flag. I thought there were like multiple points in this game, Corey, where I started to count it as a win, which is dangerous. I get it. But you really start to think like they're going to get this win and this is crazy. This is a great win. And then it's just the rug gets pulled out from under you and now you're left to like sort of cobble up the pieces, you know what I mean? So it's like, can they pick up the pieces of a tough, long road trip loss where not only did you lose, you also are really beat the hell up. And that is like a concerning spot to me because you do go Arizona and Denver clearly lost to Pittsburgh today, not playing very well, but they play a physical brand of football too. Like, I don't think that's just going to ease up. You know what I mean? Right, right. And Arizona, Arizona's defense is playing off the charts right now as well. So it's not getting any easier offensively either uh, for the Browns. And then again, you know, Denver's defense is a world-class defense. They're, they're stacked across the board. <laughs> I just, I, I wish the bye week was this week, uh, but you don't get to change the schedule like that. Um, Doesn't come until uh, November. No big deal. Whatever. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Half your team's hurt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, we finally got to the point of it's like, this roster is not to the point where undrafted free agents are starting and we're not hoping for every free agent to sign in Cleveland. It's now it's like, Oh, who's on the market? Who's out there? <laughs> Cause yeah. like it's, 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 it's bad. Um, we'll see what the injury report looks like come Wednesday, come Thursday. Hopefully again, we're back to the word hope. Uh, 
It's bleak, just when man. You think we're turning a corner. Yeah, yeah. Just it's when just you, think we're turning you, a corner. you can only lose so many dudes, and eventually it, it catches up with you. And I thought we'll watch the tape. I just thought it like clearly it caught up with them. They just uh, this was not the defense that I had seen over the last few weeks. And I understand that Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins aren't quite the quarterback here that that Justin Herbert is, but. I mean, it's 47 points, and I thought in the second half it was like paper mache. I mean, there was there was really no real fight put up, and I, and I should be careful with that because they did <laughs> the fourth and four play. We have to discuss. I think that play comes with like I don't know uh, four minutes left. It's at midfield, right? That ball's launched from midfield, and it's a pretty egregious call. Like it's, it's a pretty egregious call. I thought in real time and when slowed down and you can see Mike Williams grabbing AJ green actually out of the two, it gets worse. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very much like you get the whistle some weeks, you don't get the whistle other weeks. Like I get it, but boy, did it feel just kind of felt wrong. And especially that fourth and four was so they had they felt like they had the game at that point that happens and it's just like man again then murphy's law stuff kicks in we're like okay what do we have to do to actually win this game and you feel like you can't that call is terrible and it does change the course of the game cleveland is up 42 35 they're they're going to they're going to very simply put at least pin them back again to run more time off the clock at the minimum, I would think the way they're moving the ball, Corey, they were going to go down and at least kick a field goal, which makes it a two-score game, which changes the complete dynamic of this thing. And it just sucks. It doesn't feel like Cleveland gets that whistle ever. It just does. I can't think of many times where it's like, man, we really got that huge call when we needed it. But it's the breaks of the game, right? Yeah. I, I for the life of me cannot figure out why the NFL doesn't have a sky judge yet. Like it just feels like there's an easy fix and it worked in the AFF and or the AAF and people loved it. Like people ate it up watching with uh, the AAF when it was around. And it's just like, I don't think it would be super time consuming. I hated like the, the reviewing, you know, where, where coaches could challenge pass interference because coaches were just like, throwing flags on incomplete passes and hoping they would slow it down and see the defensive back made, made contact. But like in cases like this, it's like, I see why that rule was there. Um, but it's just like a sky judge would, would, <laughs> would end all of this conversation. Uh, but yes, it, 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 for as successful as this team has been over the past year and a half now, it, it, there's still that thought in the back of my head. It's just like, I, I don't expect it. I, I, it's like I just they're, they're gonna find a way to lose it. Yeah, man, and it's years of changing our DNA to get there. It's challenging as hell to get there. And, and, and then it, you like go back and you look at the schedule, and it's just like, okay, now I'm looking back at last year, and I was like, Tennessee, maybe Pittsburgh Week 17, like, but but now you look at Pittsburgh this year, and it's like it's hard to find. Like, I just want that one dominant win against a really good football team. And for all the success this team has had, it's just like I still haven't seen that on the schedule yet. Yeah, and you can do whatever you want to to dance around it. They just they have to win those games. I mean, and I get it. Like, they should have won today. There was There's a couple things here and there that swing differently. It's much like the Chiefs games, you know, where you don't drop the punt and some of the – but you got to win those games eventually. you got to win them. And right now, they haven't won them. There's a mental thing there right now that is – you say it however you want to say it it is messing with these guys in big moments and 
you know, again, to keep perspective, the, everything is still in front of them. This doesn't have to be doom and gloom. It just sucks. It was a game that I think, like I said, what sort of hits me is it felt like a couple different points. It was one in a game that, like, you know, when you lose a bunch of people, and maybe even some guys longer now here, we'll have to see, where you tell yourself, like, okay, we, we lost some guys, but we won a game, you know, a really big game here that could have playoff implications later on. That's easier to stomach, and you didn't get that, and now you're like, okay, now we're beat the hell up and lost a tough game, and it's just that that's where sort of some of the doom and gloom stuff can kick in. But this is where I thought the coaching staff did some things, enough things to win this game and overcome some deficiencies. Now, how tough are the leaders in the locker room? How tough is the coaching staff, right? How 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 can you dig out of this, right? How can you dig out of what was a tough loss and bounce back on your home field against a good team and come out and play well? So we'll see a little bit of the fortitude uh, that they have. If they can do it, if they can handle it. They got three straight home games, Corey. You know, three straight home games. Uh, it helps, you know, staying in your own house. All of that stuff for three straight weeks is great. You only travel to Cincinnati after that. You know, the Cardinals game will be tough, but then you play two very winnable games and three if you include Cincinnati. And even if the worst of the worst is you go to three and three, you could win those next three, two of which against division opponents, and be six and three, and all is right with the world. So not a time to feel like the most pity, you know. So I'll let you kind of close with your thoughts on where they're at, where they're going, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I think the last thing that I really have to say is it's like, at least it feels somewhat good to have conversations about a week five loss and not against a good football team and a like a very good young quarterback. Uh, I don't know if you watched that John Johnson presser. He's just like defensively, we thought we did what we could and he just wasn't having it. He just still made plays. Uh, we're, we're, we're having conversations again about losing to a really good football team in a really good game in week five. Um, and so if there's a way to put a glimmer of hope on it, that's the, that's it. Um, where we're, we're keeping up with teams, even though we're beat to hell. So these next couple games, I would say two games are going to be pretty telling about who this team is, about the, the fortitude this team has. Um, but we're on to Arizona. I dig that. You're on to Arizona. That's all you can do at this point. Onward, upward. Reminder, we'll have the OBR's Twitch show. Uh, will come tomorrow where we will Monday rewind this thing. I'll have an article out. I'm probably going to have to, unfortunately and negatively, take a look at the two coverage bus plays and try to decipher what on earth happened on those plays. So keep your eye out for that. Corey, I'm sure we'll have great content of his own coming up the next few days. Corey, tell everybody where they can find you before you sign out of here, buddy. Yeah, so I am writing for SF at Brown's Digest. Um, and then I also have a podcast, Nothing Rhymes with Orange, as well. So those are my two two main content creations right now. All right, make sure you're following Corey. Make sure you find his work. He does a great job. Uh, and, 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 and as usual, whenever he's asked to come on as we record this thing, God, I don't even know. It's pretty late. I don't want to talk about it. I appreciate you, Corey, for coming on, man. Absolutely. Anytime, Jake. All right, that's a wrap for today. Like I said, Monday Rewind. We'll have our Chalk Talks. Keep your eye out for some articles. We'll get the all 22 film breakdowns we do for you subscribers in the coming days. Again, tough loss, but pick up, move on. Arizona, focus on them. Getting to 4-2 and two is the ultimate goal in front of your home fans. Should be a ton of fun when they get back into Cleveland. They need an uplifting spirit. I'm sure you fans will provide it. Appreciate you for all the support. 
Uh, we just got our first Browns film breakdown hat passed out. I will get more of those shipped out to winners next week. And we're in the process of potentially buying more of those. So keep your eyes out for that. Appreciate your support again. It'll be all right. Move on. Have a great Monday. Pick up the pieces. Check the OBR for some content. It'll be there for you all day. I thank you to Corey for joining the show again. And we sign off with the usual. Go Browns. Go Browns.